Okay. Near the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. So this is what was supposed to happen. It was supposed to turn into goop, which is now done. Um, I heard a comment, so I just want to remember it at the end, that I overheard from my room. Uh, we only know things by faith. So I want to address that in the Q&A, because I don't know if I agree with that. Um, but um, just remind me to come back to it. So, before... We got the music. So, what was the common message of those songs? Which most of them, you know, I don't know the first one, I looked it up. I looked up songs that had that theme. <laughs> Sorry? You don't love me, and, and, and then what? And I don't care, right? I am beautiful no matter what they say. You don't have to try, 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 right? Um, <laughs> words don't bring me down, right? And then um, I even forgot the, the first two, um, which were like, uh, you, I'm just going to be me. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not, and you need to accept me, and there's nothing ugly um, in me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is that true? <laughs> no one likes that question anymore. <laughs> So maybe on some level. So I'm not here to tear apart this song. But not having a stance, right? If you hear something and you're able to sing along, not having a stance, what does that mean about you? You're conforming, right? Like, yeah, sure, why not, right? In fact, like, I, I know these songs, right? Like, that Christina Aguilera song has been, like, a hit for more than a decade at this point. Um, so, because people want to hear a certain thing. But all of them are saying, your identity is perfect. They're all talking about, be this thing that you are, and this thing is undefined, right? You have become goop, 
right? And so like, you know, love the goop, be the goop, right? Embrace the goop, we're all goop, okay? So, yeah, as long as we're grouped together, we're, we're all good. So this lecture, I want to talk more about, well, what, what is supposed to be my, my identity? So I am presupposing in this talk that you already know why you believe in God, okay? So if you don't, you need to kind of work that one out, okay? Like, like that, you can get help for that. That's fine. I'm not being sarcastic. I went through that personally. Um, so I arrived at my own conclusion. So if you haven't, I encourage you to do so because it's kind of what you're building everything on, right? So if you don't actually believe there's a God, then you are going to struggle with the whole identity part because everything is going to remain subjective because you don't really know where you stand. So I'm prefacing the talk with blanket assumption, you already believe in God. So if we believe in God, and I'm sorry because some of you apparently have watched some of the YouTube videos that I didn't know exist. Um, and so I gave this talk um, at one of them because to me this is the talk at almost any convention I go to, I make sure this is one of the talks because without these foundations, your spiritual life makes absolutely zero sense, okay? And without it, neither does our religion specifically as a whole. So we are going to talk about the back to basics um, because in order to be able to have a stance, right, on whether or not I ought to change my identity or not change my identity, as Christina advises us, okay, then I need to know first what is the identity supposed to look like. I need to find out what is the objective thing so that I can find out whether or not the message that I'm being received is a right message or a wrong message. And I really don't care whether they're right or wrong. Like I said, I know that Kobe's song is more about like looking beautiful for people, etc. But whatevs. All right. In the beginning was what? Everyone says the word, and I have to stop asking the question like that because um, it's not the answer I want. He was, okay? Um, was only the word at the beginning? God, very good. How do we know God? God is, in, is, is who? Trinity, thank you. Okay, so in the beginning was the Trinity. So the Trinity, if you will, is almost like the first sense of community. Right, that they're living in existence and in a mystery that we don't understand. Apparently, I'm not allowed to use the sun analogy anymore, courtesy of Abuna Anthony um, and Abuna Krolos. Um, <laughs> however, um, the, the Trinity is this first form of community. I'm not going to expand more on that before I fall into heresy. Okay, and did the Trinity have any need for anything? Like, you know what would be really nice is like if we made like a galaxy, right? Right, he chose. So what did the Trinity do? He loved, okay? And what did he do? What, like what, what action took place? Sorry? He made what? He created, right, so he made stuff, okay? So he created things, right, among which were angels, right, and then the, the, the earth. And ultimately, obviously, he made humanity. So why did he make humanity? Just for fun. It's like, this, this is legit. I made this thing. Why did he make humans? What does that mean? I agree, but what does that mean? Excellent. Okay, so straight to the point. Because what he was not doing was needing servants, because I've heard these things in Sunday school classes before, okay, of he needed someone to worship him, right? He needed to show his love. One early opinion was because one of the angels fell, there needed to be someone to take his place, right? Where like some substitution kind of theory thing going on here, okay? But all of the above are false. All of the above are false because if God is in need of something, then he's not God, okay? If, if he needs something external to himself to be complete, then he's not complete, then he's not God, 
right? So any idea that you have or notion you have in your, in your mind other than love is wrong, okay? So there might have been other benefits in a relationship, not that he needed those things, but none of these things were the motive, right? The same way exactly like I, I like the analogy of parents because in a, parent, in, a, in a parenting model, obviously our parents are very not perfect, um, but if they, <laughs> if they were, it would have been different, okay? But what does a parent benefit, like objectively, from having kids? Like really carrying your name isn't that helpful, right? Go for it. Exactly. Absolutely nothing. You're going to cry all night. You're going to change diapers. You lose intimacy. You lose vacation time. Or, like, you're going to sit there, like, not sleeping, right? You've got this thing screaming and crying, right? You've got visitors that come out so cute, and then the minute it cries, like, you can hold them now, right? Like, there's, there's, it's, it's heck. And then your kids don't like you, right? Once they have a mind of their own, then they don't like you anymore, right? So they're friends with everyone else other than you. So you get to enjoy this like two-year time frame, right? Before they, they turn on you, right? And then the minute they have like autonomy, they're like, peace out. What do you want from me, right? Like after I took your money and your time and like your mind and your sanity, right? Now I'm my own agent. I'm my own being. And yet we continue to have children, right? Over and over and over again. And some families even have more than one kid. Um, <laughs> So children are not the most wonderful things to have. We can all look at our own histories of many stories of things that we did to our parents um, that weren't the nicest things. So it is only love that motivates. Love is self-denial, right? Love is to deny something that I could have, right? And I direct that thing that I could have towards another thing or being or philosophy or whatever it is. That's what love is. And that is why we say that God is love because God didn't need to create. Right? God didn't need to do any of these things, and yet he did. He denied himself in the formation of man. Denied himself knowing, just like a parent knows that their kid is going to screw them over and be absolutely nasty someday, God did this knowing also right, that we were going to do the same thing to him. So the formation of, of, of it is love. This is the foundation of, of Christianity, of our religion, is that everything is founded on love. And that's why even designed into nature is that even physically, the most supreme act of a physical expression of love results in new life, right? It's always resulting in something external, right, to the person, is that, we, that this is what this, this act does. So purpose of creation is love. So he makes man. What is man physically? or non-physically? What, what makes up a human being? Sorry? DNA? Okay. I didn't hear that. Material? Okay. What else? Very good. Okay. So body, which is the DNA, which is the material, which is what you said. Soul and spirit. What is a soul? No. Good. Can you elaborate a little bit? But you're right. Maybe. That one's debated. The soul is... And, and, and the reason for this and why I'm saying no is because often the fathers and even modern fathers, fathers will, will interchange soul and spirit where maybe they ought not to. So sometimes when we're referring to the spirit, we actually say soul. Um, and we're like, oh, that guy's got soul. Um, when really what they mean is spirit. Um, because soul is basically the, the physical life of a thing. Okay? So as, as, as a matter, a human is just a whole bunch of elements, right? Just like everything else. Um, so as matter, things don't just ex exist. I could take the same things off the periodic table that make a human and put it on a petri dish, and it's not going to be alive, right? The soul is the physical life to a thing. So we often associate it with the circulatory system, but that's just arbitrary. Um, and it's because in the Old Testament where God would say, do not eat the thing with the life of it. And so he'd be like, drain it from the blood. So they associated like blood, meaning the, the life. So the soul is whatever it is that makes a, an organic material actually function as a live thing, which also animals have, right? So humans and animals share this part um, in common. And then we have the spirit, and we're going to come to the spirit in a second, okay? 
And for what purpose did God make the earth? Okay, well, what's the church then? Okay. What does the word church mean? What does ecclesia mean? The congregation, right? Or the assembly. Okay, so you're saying to house the people. So then I do agree. Someone else had their hand up? Okay. Was he like, you know what? Like, it's like a round thing. It's a vague question, and it's a poorly worded one. Okay, I agree with you for the, the church, but I'm not even thinking specifically just the church in the sense that some people might have interpreted it, but in the sense of he made the earth for man, okay, for humanity, right? There wasn't an objective of the earth itself. He made the earth for man. He did not make man for the earth, right? So he didn't say, oh, I made this thing. Now I need someone to run it. Right, so I'll employ these human beings and they're my little monkeys that are gonna go around and, and do my stuff. No, right, he made the earth for man, right? And so we need to understand this because of how even I approach life, right? Of like, am I approaching this like, this is what matters and I need to work for it or is this my means to the thing that I'm doing? So what did he want from humanity? He made humans and he gave humans an earth and what did he want? Yes and no. Like, he know that man couldn't do anything for God, so in that sense, nothing. But he did want something. Sorry? Absolutely. Okay? It's to love him back. And what does that mean? If I love someone and someone loves me, what are we now in? Right. Okay? So, he desired from us relationship. So, made out of love, right? That was the only motivation even set up a place for man, right? As Athanasius says in On the Incarnation, he made a place, right? The place was earth. And what he sought from humanity was a relationship. How does one show love? Through my actions, spending time, sacrifice. These are all actions, okay? And how must those actions arise from me? Sorry? Selflessness? How do I express selflessness? Right. So we're, we're hovering over, you're all saying the right thing. Sorry? It is. So let's say does an action, like we talked about yesterday in the chastity talk, does an action in and of itself mean something? It's all philosophical. So like, if I say like that, I don't know, does hugging mean affection because someone decided that two hands enclosing another human being is the definition of affection, right? So then if I walk around in this like hug chairs and baskets that I'm now expressing love, or if I take a child who doesn't even know what those actions mean and I take their arms and I wrap it around something, I can say, aha, he loves that thing. Why would it not mean that in the case of the child? Exactly. It wasn't intentional. So what do I have that can show my intentions? My free will. Thank you. Okay. Is that it has to be a voluntary act. Okay. So these are important concepts because if we don't actively think about these things, again, if we're very passive, you won't know what the meaning of your actions are. I have to think about what I'm doing because what I'm doing means something. Right? That's why I can hug a person and mean something. I can hug a person, another person and not mean the same thing that I meant when I hugged the first one. 
right? Like there's, there's, the meaning is, depends on my intention, right? And my intention can only be expressed by my decisions. My decisions result in actions. So everything you guys said was right because they were actions, right? That, but the part that's missing is, is the intent. So, God made man in his image and likeness. I just jumped to the part that I wanted you guys to say, so I have the answer, <laughs> okay, which was, what is the spirit? Because I want to come back and tie these things together. Spirit is the image and likeness of God. This is not a small deal, okay, because we say it so passively, right? Like, I've even heard kids saying it now, and I'm glad the kids are saying it because they're learning something right, okay? But learn, what does this thing mean? What does it mean when I say the image and likeness of God? What does that mean? How do you understand to be in the image and likeness of God? Is it physical? Like, what does it mean? Sorry? Absolutely. Okay. The ability to love. What else? Excellent. Okay, excellent. So it is that I have the attributes of God. That was one of my lessons that I hated the most receiving in high school because they did it like four times and the point never sunk in um, until like a decade later, right? Is that the, to be in the image and likeness of God, one of you said DNA, right? Is like almost to receive the DNA of God. Is that I'm not just some random creature, okay, that he made. That's just a thing, right? He actually imbibed in me. He gave to me his own identity. This is not a small thing, right? That's why people care more about their own biological children, right, than they might about the neighbor's kid, right? Because, you know, this is my kid, right? I might care about that kid, but he's not my kid, right? Whereas in giving me his image and likeness, he made me his kid. He made me his offspring, right? Which is why we say we are sons by adoption, right? And that's, that's not a small thing. To use an analogy, that I know I overuse, but I like it, I copyright it, is, um, is the analogy of, of the ants, like just so you can kind of get an, an idea. Imagine if humans were looking at ants and saying, hey, I love these things, only difference is that I created the ants, is in the case of God, right? Um, and saying, I'm going to give the ants the ability to be me, right? So now I've taken something that had very little meaning, okay, like a creature, because man was just first formed as man. Right? After the formation of man, it then says God breathed in him a spirit. Right? And that was the point where man suddenly was different from the rest of creation. And so I take these ants and I say, you're going to have the ability to think like me, to rationalize like me, like to have ideas, to have emotions, to have all of these things that you don't have right now. I am going to give them to you. This is elevating an ant from the status that it had to this new kind of existence. It's now a humanly ant, okay? God made us these godly beings, right? We are not God by nature, right? But he imbibed in us godly characteristics, right? And allowed us to participate in this kind of thing. So this is, this is huge. Now, there's a problem with this. Well, not a problem. We've turned it into a problem. Is that, did, was God arbitrary in doing this? Was God just like, you know, here's a human, here are characteristics? I'm being redundant. We've already kind of answered this, but I want you guys to articulate it. Because this is our identity that we're talking about. Right? Okay, so there's an issue of free will of, of, of strength and those attributes, absolutely. What I want here is the idea of intention, okay? Is that if we want to measure a rightness or a, wrong, a wrongness of something, we said that we need an objective reality, right? Objective reality in this case means a belief in design, right? If I don't believe that something is designed, that something is supposed to be in a certain way, then I don't know how to measure when something has left that. Right? So if I have an objective measure of what health should look like, I can measure when someone is unhealthy, right? Because I have a standard of health, so I can say, oh, no, 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 you're not supposed to have these things, and you do, 
right? Or you lack these things that you should have. You are unhealthy. So in the design of, of, of humanity, God was not being arbitrary. God was actually giving us an identity. There's a design. So because there's a design, there's a proper functioning. There's something that it's supposed to be, right? Of saying, here's, you were created to be me, right? This is who I am. So I'm not randomly choosing characteristics of myself. This is my being, right? And I gave you my being. So you're pure because I'm pure, right? You are kind because I'm kindness. You have love because I am love. You have a concept of justice because I am justice, right? These are who he is in the absolute, and I am who he is in the relative in the sense that I am not God by nature, right? Just like the ant remains an ant. Even though I gave the ant my humanly characteristics, I gave it a new existence, but by nature, I remain the ant, right? So by nature, for example, even though if the ant were to be given my characteristics, an ant can't go as close to a fire as a human being will, right? It's going to melt from a lot farther away, right, than if I were to approach that same fire, right? So the ant has to be aware of who it is, right? And it should also be asking the question of, okay, humanly people, why did you make me um, a, a, an ant? What was your objective, right? This is what we need to be asking, and this is why we go to the Bible, right? Is to say, why did you make me, right? What was the point of you making me? That's why we ask these questions. Because it would be like a son or a daughter who decides that it doesn't matter that I'm a son or a daughter and just leaves, right? Then they've forgotten a part of why they were created, right? It's not perfectly analogous, okay? But on, on those same wavelengths. So we're designed, right? And I'm sorry that I recycle so often like the same uh, analogies, but I'm going to use them because they work, because they're important for us to realize how we function. Okay? The microphone. What is a microphone for? Or two? Right. To enhance the speaking to amplify sound. Right? Here is the function. I could, if I decided, to yank out a wad of gum that I don't have and shove it on the microphone. And now I can sell this as my gum holder. Okay? And if I'm very persuasive, and I am, um, then I can market um, my new gum holder contraption and sell it on eBay and Amazon and Kijiji um, and tell them you need to get your gum holder. These are so legit. So I could do that. In doing so, would this cease to be a microphone? Existentially speaking. No, right? It is still a microphone. I can shove my gum on it if I want, but it's a microphone, right? Will the microphone function properly? No. Okay, another analogy, and we're going to tie this all together. Maybe two more analogies. Actually, we already used the health one. A car. What does a car do? It moves, right? It moves people and things. Okay? What is what is it made out of? Material. Okay, you don't have to we don't have to get super specific. Okay, it's made out of material. So its functioning is based on a design, right? It's made out of stuff, right? It functions in a particular way. In the glove compartment, people don't really put their gloves in it anymore, um, exists a manual, right? And the manual says, here's how you use this car. When you use the car differently, bad things happen. So I'm using all these analogies to get to another concept, which is, what is sin? Perfect answer, okay, and in the analogies, what would it be? He said it's falling short of being in the image and likeness of God, which is precisely the answer. Sorry? Exactly, 
right? So we treat sin so often in a very legalistic way, right? Of here's my, my, my list of the thou shalt nots, right? And so I was like, oh no, this is haram, right? Which is actually a very Islamic like concept, right? Which is forbidden, right? Permitted and forbidden, haram al-halal. So we don't have this concept, right? Sin for me is whatever it is that makes me not function as I was designed to function. That's all it is, right? Amarteya in Greek, it just means falling short, missing the mark, okay? So if there's a perfect bullseye, right, on a, on a dartboard, sin is falling anywhere other than on the bullseye. That's, that's what it is, right? So I can fall really far, right? I can get really close, but sin is simply not being at the bullseye. So sin is already, is, is the existence of subjectivity, right? Sin is, is, the, is, is falling short of this perfection, of this completion, right? And that understanding, when I have this, that I'm supposed to function in a particular way. Because if I don't understand these concepts, then you get these questions from people that are things like, so, if I don't do this with her, am I allowed to like put my arm on her shoulder, right? Am I allowed to have modified milk ingredients if like I know that it just wasn't made in a factory that had like this, right? Like, like the most petty, no offense, I'm not like being like sarcastic about you people or myself even because I've asked those same questions. Um, but to say that it means I don't get it, right? Like if, that's, if those are my questions, then I don't get it, right? Because it means that I don't know what the goal is and so I don't know what brings me away from that goal because I've turned into this, right? And so I'm just asking random questions because I don't have an identity, right? Ask a person who's like super, super, super healthy and eats amazingly well. They'll notice when they have a food they shouldn't eat, right? They will know. They feel lethargic. They, like they feel the difference, right? Because they've had something that they don't usually have that's not actually good for them and then they feel sick. So sin is to fall short, and we need to understand that because the, the, the imagery in the Orthodox Church about spirituality is one of health, okay? It's about the church as a, excuse me, as a hospital, right, of coming in because we're diseased, and we're coming in because we're diseased with sin, and sin is not a legal concept, right? Sin is a health aspect. So God made us, didn't have to make us, made us out of love, in his image and likeness, right? And gave us a design and then gave us, you guys said it earlier, a choice, right? And the choice was, do you care or don't you? So I did this for you and I didn't have to. Do you care back? If you care back, then you just be what I made you to be, right? Like I'm not, I'm not rewarding you, right? Of saying, oh, when you do these good things, like, now I'm going to give you, like, even more, right? The, the goodness was already there because God is good, right? This is one of the attributes of God, right? Is that he is simply good, the noun, right? Good. So in functioning the way that I'm supposed to, then I will. If I choose, however, to not do that, then what happens? I get sick, right? I fall short. I lose my purity like we talked about last night. So I now see the world differently, right? Because I have some murkiness in the water. I can't see through it anymore. That's the result. So God asked man to enter into relationship. He asked him to enter into this, this unspoken agreement of I am yours and you are mine, right? And so let us have this dialogue of, of love. Unfortunately, right, we tend to be wise in our own conceits, right? And we decided that, yeah, I don't really want to, right? Like we, we decided that we didn't want to. And the consequence of this was disease, right? So we saw what happened to humanity shortly after, right? Within the first generation, you already have your first fratricide, right? And like, the son to be apologetic, right? Instead, he was like, I don't know. Right, like, and then, and then it wasn't like, oh, I'm so sorry, I shouldn't have done that. It was like, great, now I'm dead, right? Like, you see the, the, the loss right away, right, of, of, of purity, image, and, and, and likeness of God, and we see the progression of, of humanity. So the nature of sin is death, right? Because the nature of disease is 
And an untreated disease means you're going to be deficient in some way. So like if I have some disease that is causing me so much pain, I'm going to be so affected by this pain that I might be ignoring some other sensory capacity because I've got all my focus in a certain place, right? So we have to have this objective reality. So having said that, what then is the law? Why did God give the law? We all know this story. I'm not going to go through it. Man says, do this. Man doesn't. God asks for covenant. Man says, sure, cool, no problems. Right? Two days later, it's like, actually, I changed my mind. Blah, 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 blah. And then eventually God says, here's the law. What is the point of the law? If I'm supposed to be free, right? If I'm supposed to have freedom, then why is there a law? The two seem completely contradictory. Right? How are you giving me my freedom by, by offering me a law? Very good. And I want to go deeper than guiding. You're absolutely right. I want something stronger than, than guiding even. Prevent disease? Even more. Sorry? Mitigation, perhaps? To keep us alive? Yes. How do I know if a line is curved or straight? Exactly. The existence of a ruler, of a straight line, is the only thing that allows me to identify if something is straight or not. That's the only way. Otherwise, everything is relative. The existence of the law was to make me aware of where I fall short. The existence of the law was to tell me, here is what perfect health looks like. Here is the objective measure. That's why the Judaic community, right, didn't have its own man-made constitution. It had a divine constitution. It was coming from God, and that was the only reason why it was a good law. Otherwise, it would be the same as any other law. It was just arbitrary. It would be a bunch of people who sat together and said, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. There is an aspect of their law that was man-made, and Christ undid that, right? He was like, no, this part I don't care about. Right? This was your stuff you did for you, no problem. You can have laws, they, are, they have their own functions, and that's its own discussion. However, right, the existence of the law was to say, no, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. What does this say? No, I'm a giver, I'm not a stealer, I'm not a thief. Right? I am the truth, so you will not bear false witness, because your identity is truth just as I am truth. So your lying is falling short. Thou shalt not covet. Right? Thou shalt not do whatever it is, right? Even if you look at the lesser laws, quote-unquote lesser laws of Deuteronomy, right? Look at the, the beauty of the law that he has there. Everybody is always quick to talk about adultery and, and all this other stuff, which is its own conversation, right? But what about the laws of things like, for you who think you own land, you don't, okay? So if you have land under you that you are taking care of, well, you have to watch yourself because this isn't yours. So when you are going through your orchards and taking off your fruits, don't take all of it off. Just go through it once and leave lots left. Why? Because in the evening, the poor of your people will come in and you will not withhold from them the fruits of your vineyard. Let them eat because it's not yours. I made the earth for man, right? It's not yours so that they can eat. Then he says, don't even muzzle your oxen and your calves. Let them eat, right? He's putting even in there a love of creation, right? These are the things that he did to show me, right, his son or you, his son or daughter, who am I, right? This is why we read it. When we read the Bible, am I looking for who is God's identity? And that is who I am trying to be because that is my design, right? Or am I reading random stories, right? This is, it's not meant to be random. So, I have to see the world through this identity. So when Kobe Clay tells you, you don't have to try, 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 try to try, yes, you do, right? If someone says you're beautiful just the way you are, no, that's a lie, right? If it's because of my physical aesthetics, okay, there's some truth there. Saying, no, 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 I'm just selfish, that's how I am. Well, that's hideous, and you should get rid of it, 
right? No, you do have to try, 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 try to try. Okay, you can't just walk away from it and say, "Oh no, no, no!" Like this is who I am. If it's another person with the disease of selfishness, have fun, right? It, it, one of you is going to get badly hurt because you have a disease and they have a disease, and we should all be striving for health. So. We do have an objective identity that we do obtain through our God, and it is this that we use as the measure of who I'm supposed to be or not supposed to be. I can acknowledge, again, that I can fall short, but I have to acknowledge that it is a falling short, right? That it is not that I'm supposed to be this way. It's that I'm supposed to be another way, and I'm not doing that. And I need to ask myself, what am I doing to get there? Because if I'm content and satisfied where I am, the end result is all that we talked about in the first lecture. The end result is that nobody believes in anything. Nobody wants to have an identity. And so all we do is swallow each other up and say nice things to each other so that we can sleep better at night. But unfortunately, people aren't sleeping better at night. Ask the physicians who are prescribing their antidepressants to them. Okay, People aren't happier for all of this um, so-called found freedom. And in doing this, I'll recognize my need for recovery, okay? Is that I, if I am ill, I need a physician, right? And you can start to reinterpret, I won't go into all that. How do I then understand the church, right? Is that the sacrament is a remedy, right? The sacrament isn't like a, this random fun activity that we do. No, I'm asking for some kind of renewal. Baptism was my receiving of my original nature again, this restored nature that God came and he took on my actual fallen nature and fixed it, right? So that I can now participate in that. That when I, my spirit, which is a real thing inside of me that needs life, which are the, the virtues, okay? These things that I do are, are doing something to a thing. Spiritual life isn't a random philosophical concept. It's a real thing. I have a spirit right? That when I have Eucharist, I am actually feeding something, right? Not just my body. I am feeding something in me, which is my spirit, right? That the practice of virtues brings health to my spirit and that I need to have that health, which means that I need a personal a trainer spiritually in the same way that I need to have someone who teaches me physical bodily health, right? You don't just know it on your own. Someone teaches it to you. We have the necessity of renewal, and the realization of this identity is what changes the world. The saints that we call saints are normal people just like you and I. Ambantunius at some point was some rich kid sitting in a pew just like the rest of us. If they had pews, he might have been standing. But he took something seriously, right, and said, I didn't know this, let me pursue this, and it changed him and it changed the whole entire world, right? Clement of Alexandria, some pagan dude, right? Who decided to rebut Christianity, got into it, poor guy ended up a Christian, right? Changed a lot of people in Egypt. When somebody arrives at truth, it changes them. You can't identify a truth and be just completely blase about it. If you believe that it's true, then you have to do something, right? If you were to discover okay, like randomly in your like 30s, that you were adopted, what would you immediately want to do? Find your parents, right? You'd be like, who am I? Where did this come from? This is new truth I didn't know about, right? Like it was always true, but I discovered it, right? And so now I want to know who I am. What does that mean? What is it that happened? You need to ask that question. Who am I? Where did I come from and where is my identity? And there are answers to these things. They are what define us. And so that I don't get taken by the sea of relativity because I discover my form, I discover who I am, I discover my nature um, and, in Christ. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Any questions or comments? Uh, you, uh, you mentioned to us that uh, the sin is the deviation from the way I thought I was supposed to formulate or from the goal. So should I, could I have some clarification what meant by uh, the way we should formulate on the goal according to what we have discussed? Uh, the goal is today? to be God, <laughs> simply, right? Christ said, I have said you are gods. Christ said, be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he laid for us the law. 
The law is perfection. It is, right? So any deviation from perfection is a deviation from my goal. So if I'm designed to be pure, anytime I'm impure, I'm, I've fallen short. If I'm designed to be humble, any sign of arrogance is a disease. If I'm designed to be content, any sign of jealousy is a disease, right? So anything that falls short of who God is by nature, which is who I am by grace, right? Not by nature, right? Is, is a disease of some kind. Just like with, with our physical health. If you have too much vitamin B, that's actually not good for you, right? You might urinate some of it out at the beginning, but if you consistently, constantly have too much, yes, you can have a disease. And if I have too little vitamin B, I will also get a disease, right? And so there's an objective measure, where should I be in my vitamin B? What am I getting that? The same is true with the vice and virtues. And if you want the encyclopedias of that, right, we start with the Gospels, go read the Desert Fathers, right? Because they were like the lab rats um, of spirituality. And they, they did their experiments and they published lots of papers, right? There's volumes and volumes and volumes where they say, no, when you, when I, if I have too much laziness here, it results in this sin and this sin. A person who suffers from this sin has usually started off by doing this and this and this. And they have diagnoses, right? They have methodology, they have like experiments and, and things to try to improve on so that you can recover health. Where we can find that? Uh, There's tons. I can send the whole list to Anthony if you want. There's the Paradise, two volumes. There's the History of the Monks of Upper Egypt. There's the life of St. Beshoi, the life of Antony, the life of Macarius, the letters of Antony, the letters of Amonas, the letters um, of St. Macarius or Pseudo-Macarius. There's, there's volumes and volumes and volumes like I think a quarter of, of my personal library is, is only Desert Fathers, right? They're absolutely invaluable um, in terms of what they, they offer to us. I would only say don't implement without guidance, right? Because there's a context to every one of the stories. So have a good guide to, to help you with the implementation. But the knowledge is there for everybody. And the way to formulate it, we found it in the Bible. That's how. Sorry? It told us there's a way to formulate or to function. That's where we find it in the Bible. So the Bible tells you the what, right? The fathers tell you the how, right? So Christ says, for example, be meek. He didn't say, okay, here's step one. Here's how you acquire meekness, right? The Bible didn't give us that. Not because the Bible is somehow bad because it didn't. It's everything has an objective and a purpose, right? So he said, do this, do this, do this, do this. Right? We can learn definitely lessons from the Bible of how someone went wrong and didn't get there. But the Desert Fathers are the ones who really gave us the, the, the how. Right? Through both their falls and their successes. And they document both. Right? They're like, here we went really bad. And here's where it went well. Thank you. So when I have a question that um, might be a little bit philosophical, uh, since we're created in the image of God and we, um, we ha we're supposed to have the, all the attributes of God and we live in the new, uh, the grace of the New Testament, so we focus more on the love of God, the patience, the long-suffering. So, but w when we look at like the Bible as a whole, the Old Testament also speaks about, let's, let's say, the wrath of God, God, uh, you know, the revenge, or when God says, I'm a, I'm a jealous God. So being in the image of God, does this also explain why sometimes we as humans, we have like wrath, we take revenge, we're jealous, and does, does it justify it? Just because this is, like, I know those attributes, they, f they have like a negative connotation, but the Bible showed that it's it's some of the attributes of God. So us being in the image of God, I'm a little bit just like wondering if... Uh... Absolutely. But none of God's attributes were negative, right? So what I need to do is discover what is the holy way of those things. Sin inside me, sin around me, sin because of me. Say that again. And I guess... If sin is not something essential, it's not something that has an essence, right? Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, we know that the church speaks about the nature of sin, you know, yeah. quote unquote. Um, so how am I supposed to deal with the fact that sin is, is not so much something that's, that's there that I can deal with, you know, darkness as opposed to light kind of thing, 
but how am I supposed to deal with its effect on me so I can make headway? By seeking health, right? Like, like, like it's that simple. That's why a theology based on sin is a very negative theology, right? Like, if, if I build my spiritual life on negatives, I'm not going to grow, right? Because I'm, I'm just spending my time talking about what's gone wrong. But it went wrong because I'm making bad decisions. I'm using my free will against myself, right? Against myself and against God. So a better thing would be to focus my energy on what is right, to fix it. Right? If I sit there and be like, oh my goodness, you know, happy, it's horrible, it's horrible. What a bad thing, happy. He has happy, she has happy. Wow, happy. Right? Like, then what? Right? So if instead I say, okay, I have happy, is there a cure? Right? Can I work on that? Now, how do I prevent happy? Right? Like, are there vaccines? Right? Are there things that I can do? Is there something physically that we can do? Are there policies we can put in place to help society? Right? Why? My focus is no longer on just this, no, no, habi, no, habi. It's like, forget habi. I want to be healthy. How can we promote health? Right? How can we have a healthy community? That's what it should be, which is why our focus as Christians should be on the virtue. How do I acquire virtue? In my acquisition of virtue, I will inevitably be forced to fight my vice. Because my vice is the reason why I don't have virtue. This is why, one among many reasons why St. Anthony is like the biggest boss in like history, um, is many people talk about virtue like it's something outside of you, right? I need, to, I need to get this virtue, right? So I don't have it, I need to go find it and I'll get it. St. Anthony says the opposite. He's like, you have all the virtue inside of you because you are in the image and likeness of God already. Right? What is withholding you from expressing that virtue is your vice. And that's why you need to work on the vice to express a virtue that you already possess. Right? It's already within you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. Right? To start, to start there. So positive theology is, is let me focus on goodness. So I don't know about what everyone's, what sex practices are or others. Often for me, like, I like to ask people who are like, confessing that I don't know very well, what is your gift? What are you good at? Right? Because God gave you something. Because in finding what you're good at and finding something positive, and you grow in that, you will inevitably be a happier kind of person. Right? You're going to be more sensitive to good things because you're not miserable. Right? When you're miserable, you tend to be more negative about everything. Right? Then it's like, oh, it's hopeless. I can't even do this and I can't even do this. And it goes there. So find what is good and virtuous and try and grow that thing instead. So we're going to break again right now. We're going to all head downstairs to the Arabi Hall where we have a small meal uh, prepared for everyone. So right now it is 3.07. We're going to meet back here at 4 o'clock sharp so that Father Anthony can go ahead and conclude for us uh, the series that he began today. Uh, and God willing, afterwards we'll have another break and then maybe an open Q&A for everybody to be able to ask their questions to Father Anthony. Let's stand up for prayer. <laughs>